Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And with me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys, did you know that the KKK was founded on Christmas Eve? Oh, that's festive. <laughs> I did I not found know that, that out, I found that out today. The what was the rabbit hole you went down that you ended up at the KKK Fun Facts? I normally never remember how these rabbit holes start. He was good. I know, yeah, I know the answer. You were looking up these the the convoy in Ottawa, you know, and all those clansmen over there. Oh no! Uh, then he ended up at the KKK. <laughs> I I remember how it happened. We were at work. There's two dudes at work that are from Indiana. Who would have thunk it? Mm-hmm. Also, an Asian dude and a black dude. And to my knowledge, there's like five black people in Indiana and no Asian people. So I'm like, well, what the hell happened here? But uh, they love spouting, you know, little Indiana facts. And the black dude said that Indiana has the longest running active uh, KKK chapter. To which then I asked, was the KKK chapter there, uh, founded there? Indiana doesn't seem like the type, you know. Ku Klux Klan would be founded, you know, probably needs to be in a state with a bit more cachet. And sure enough, I went on Google on a work computer, no less. So that was probably Why? a mistake. And Googled where was the KKK founded? And I saw it was founded in Tennessee. That makes way more sense. That one I knew. On December 24th. Didn't know that. So there you go. Uh, for those of you Latinos who love Noche Buena, I've just ruined it for you. Well, it's a holiday that brings people together. I like when Mike brings the conversation them. to a grinding halt with some controversial shit. Look, I love throwing a, a nice Mike, verbal Mike, you want to tell us more about vaccines maybe a little bit? What else you got You got for us? Oh, actually, on the vaccine. That was not a serious I comment. Guys, I saw that Fauci said that uh, the booster, you know, no good after like three, four months. Okay, you, well, you, you clearly only saw the headline. It's still good. It's just not as good after three, four months. Who wants something that's not as good? All right, maybe that's what you like, Bobby. I, don't know. I like I, my I get, vaccines. I get to milk, stay good. Mike. In three months, right? it's not as good. It's not as good. <laughs> yeah, but it's still no shit. It's purpose. not as good. <laughs> Mark, not everything's going to last forever. <laughs> it's more like Tylenol. If you have Tylenol that's expired, it'll, it's not going to do as good a job, but it'll help. Yeah. I like Mark's example, because in Mark's example, Bobby opens up his fridge after three months. He sees that whole milk with chunks in it. He's like, it's not as good, but I'll drink it. Why am I eating? Why am I having chunky milk in this story? I don't know. (laughs) That's that's the the image that popped in his head. (laughs) I mean, it's been in your fridge for three months. What do you think that milk is going to look like? Fair enough. Um, All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to talk about UFC 271. Uh... With Izzy Adesanya successfully defending his championship over Robert Whitaker. Some fun other fights on this main card. 
Um, see some of the news that came out this week, including uh, our guy Adesanya getting paid and Dana White uh, refuting his own company's press release when talking about Joe Rogan, which is pretty funny. Um, but let's just get into it. Marcus. Mm-hmm. Robert Whitaker is close, man. Izzy's just better, huh? Yeah, I mean, a much better performance from Robert in the second, you know, uh, rematch. But, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we could call it a more tactical fight. It it was a less interesting fight, I, I think, overall. I mean, it was competitive, which made it more in the fact that I was, like, you know, counting round by round. I think going into the fifth, it's like a lot of people didn't really know, you know, if it was up for grabs, if, if Izzy had taken the first three. Um, ultimately, you know, it, it was a competitive fight. It, is, it was an action pack. You know, I think it was very tactical. I think Robert had a lot of things that he had to do correctly to potentially win this fight. He had to be a lot more risk adverse, which he, you know, in his first fight was kind of guns blazing and that did not turn out well for him. So he really had to pick his shots wisely. He had to find counters. He had to negate that distance with straight punches, use, utilizing his jab a lot. He utilized his wrestling. He was able to get Izzy down two, three times got his back one time, um, wasn't able to really make much of any of those sequences where he was able to get him down, was not able to hold him down. Um, and then to Izzy's point, which I, I feel more critical on Izzy's side because he did win this fight and I thought he won this fight, but it was mostly due off of leg kicks from the outside. We didn't see a lot of the panache. Sorry, seeing his bark in the background. Um, it just, it, I mean, from, from a guy that we've seen really spectacular performances from this was very much more of a tactical fight where it was almost point fighting uh and you know robert thought he won some people think thought he won as well with the takedowns he landed some some of the better strikes they're really i mean izzy landed a good strike in the first round which sat with uh, uh, robert on his butt but overall i mean for me it was like yeah it, it was a tactical fight it was interesting compelling in those ways that there's a lot riding on this fight and the rounds were very close but i didn't find it personally like super yeah i thought i thought izzy pretty i was pretty confident he won mike i think you and i were watching it together and we're both like well izzy won at least three of these minimum um and i feel a lot of the controversy which even robert whitaker is just like he thought he won but also like in between all the rounds his corner was telling him you're losing this fight so there's that but i think a lot of it is that people really like bobby knuckles and some people don't seem to enjoy Izzy. He's kind of brash. Um, but most of like that, because I was looking at the media scorecards and I'm not saying they definitely score fights better than normal people, but they score more fights. And I was like nine to one in favor of Izzy. Um, most of them being three to two for Izzy, which Mike, do you remember thinking three, two or four, one? Or what did you think? You thought four, one when it was over, right? I, I remember what? thinking four, one. We kind of zoned were... out around round for somewhere in the middle of round five. At least I did. It was somewhere like end of fourth, fifth round. I was like, I don't, I, 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 I do remember who won this fight. <laughs> I do remember exclaiming pretty loudly when the scorecards were read that judges were saying those three, two. Um, yeah. I remember being very emphatic at being four, one, but I was also like five beers. In. Yeah, there was that. Um, I part of me wonders they Izzy got paid apparently a lot. Um, he's now allegedly, if you listen to Con McGregor, so take that as the biggest grain of salt you possibly could. Izzy's the second highest paid fighter in the UFC, um, which don't believe that necessarily. Then again, Nate's about to leave. So, um, 
How much of that bag he secured is dependent on holding on to that belt, Marcus? Yeah, no, that's there's that true. too. I mean, you know the way UFC likes to fuck you over when you're not the champion anymore. So we'll see. Honestly, like you kind of expect like there's a rematch. The guy who got knocked out in seven minutes is going to be the one making most of the adjustments, right? Um, and I think uh, Eugene Berriman, Izzy's coach, coach over at um, City Kickboxing, um, he was on MMA hour today, Mike, and he was saying like they kind of expected Robert to like go for it a bit more. Yeah. Like they, I think it looked like they were waiting. Their game plan was heavily on. We're going to wait for Robert to get in, get a little wild, and we're going to put him on his ass. And it seemed like he was, I guess, when that didn't work out, Mike, maybe they were more confident, just like, well, I'm just going to, this is what you're giving me. I'm just going to leg kick you and point fight you. Well, yeah. And, I mean, it, it, it worked out for, for Izzy because I thought the only way that Robert could potentially win this fight is not to say that robert had no chance in this fight but the only way is that he had to get a little reckless and take some chances and he stayed pretty conservative through throughout the the the, the five rounds and that's kind of playing into izzy's hand so i mean they probably were expecting that and they were probably happy that with the way it turned out fair enough um we're going to talk about who's next for uh, Izzy after this and later on in this because there was I think it was a pretty clear number one contender given what happened. But Robert Whitaker, Marcus, this isn't quite a Benavidez mm-hmm. or John Fitch situation because the man was the champion. And, you know, mm-hmm. he was the champion for a couple of fights, a couple of defenses. Um, what do you think? Because this is a man who did fight at 100 to 170 pounds also. And we all recognize he's probably, we assume he's better at 185 because he's the champion. And his loss, I'm looking at his fights at 170. Um, lost a split to Court McGee and got knocked out by Wonderboy a long time ago. But do you think he thinks about going down? Uh, I think Cause that's not, would Because Camaro's not sitting there with a lot of contenders either. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his weight cut's like, but I... You tend not to, I mean, and, and there's been some examples of the opposite of this. You tend not to drop, go down in weight when you're getting older because it does get harder to kind of lose absolutely the muscle and and to make those, um, you know, those hard weight cuts. So I don't know how hard that cut was to 170, but he, he does find himself in a very, you know, tricky uh, position here where he has gotten a shot twice at Izzy and has lost both of them. Um, and I mean, another app comparison in the same division would be, um, you know, uh, Rich Franklin and Anderson Silva, you know, once he lost him twice, it was kind of, those fights weren't close. I think Robert is going to be able to skate on this fight being razor, razor close. And, and he said it after the fight, I was like, look at like, I'm the guy to beat this guy. I'm going to demolish anyone they put in front of me. So he's definitely shooting for a trilogy fight here, which is Hard to get when you've lost twice. Marcus, but not interrupt you. To be his angle. But do you think, and this might be hard for someone like him, and because he seems like such a nice person, how much does he need to play up the fact that he thinks he got robbed to like try to rattle up some support? Because he's 0-2 right now. But if it's, you know, 0-1, and then there's another one where half the people don't think he's necessarily lost, if, you know, you make enough noise, do you think he's willing, do you think he does something? He does that? Because... Even then, like he like when he was talking about the fight, he was like, "Look, I don't want to take anything away from Izzy. Respect his skills greatly. He won the fight. He literally won the fight. But I thought I'd done enough. Do you think he's some? Do you think he's someone who would like? 
we'll go out there and say I got robbed. You know, I got robbed. I'll do this. Make enough noise that probably helps his cause if he wants to get another shot at it. Uh, I mean, I, I would be a little surprised. That would seem vastly outside of his character. Mm. I don't think it's a horrible idea, but I, I would imagine, you know, from the very little I know of him, which, you know, I, I've seen a few interviews here and there. I would imagine he's the type of guy who's going to speak louder in his next performance in his next performances. I think if he's really interested in getting another title shot, he needs to kill these contenders. So there is really no argument. He, you know, if he goes out and I don't know who's going to be his next opponent, who's kind of at 85, you know, he fought, did he ever fight Paulo Costa? Did he fight Marvin? He was going to fight my- Paulo Costa. And Paulo Costa said he never agreed to the fight after the UFC announced right. it. And then he fought Kelvin instead. That was going to be his last fight before. It's this. such a great tactic by the UFC. I love it when they do that. And Paulo's just like, I just they didn't even see the paper. Um, I will not be there. I have plans. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, guys like that, guys that are potential top contenders, someone who has also fought for the belt recently, if he goes out there and starts starching people and he starts looking like, you know, the Robert Whitaker that was coming up in the division when he won the belt and defended the belt, I think that's probably going to be his avenue to get this. I mean, yeah, he he could, if he had a different type of, you know, charismatic, outspoken personality, he could, you know, try to drum up some drama by saying he got robbed here. It's not a great case. This fight is not such a one-way... It's not One, it's not a robbery. It was an extremely close fight. I think either guy could have got the nod and it would have been justified. So for him to try to play this card where it's like, oh, I got robbed, I got stolen from, I clearly won that fight, when at the same time it also wasn't the most exciting fight, is like, are you drumming you end up, up your you end fan up base in, to go uh, watch a fight that wasn't fun? It's just like, you get oh. in that Valentina-Amanda territory. Where Valentina says she won that fight with Amanda for years now, but we're like, yeah, it wasn't good. No one cares. I- I also think this, um, it doesn't really matter and has never really mattered in the UFC if a particular fighter thinks he got robbed. The only time that matters is if Dana White thinks you got robbed. If Dana White thinks you got robbed, oh, you get in a rematch and you get in a rematch quick. Hell, he'll treat it as if you won that fight. He tried to give give GSP's belt. He tried to give GSP's belt to Johnny Hendricks. They like took his belt after that one. Um, so all, all, that's to say, yeah, Bobby Knuckles got to fight some people again, and he's got to start some people look, if he wants to get a third fight with Izzy. He's 31 years old. I don't know how bad the weight cut was, and honestly, he was younger in the game, and these guys get older, and maybe they become more sophisticated with the weight cutting. I don't know how strong, because mm-hmm. weight cutting, a lot of it's coming from the wrestling, you know. Mike almost ate shit get standing up right now from his desk. Um and uh, Marcus, they've got like it's, it's you know I it comes from wrestling, and I don't know how much wrestling Bobby Knuckles was doing when he was a ten and three fighter. I don't know, maybe he thinks he can do it, but I think at thirty one years old, because he's only thirty one. Yeah, I mean, his prime. He's only thirty one. His prime. He's old. He just turned thirty one too. Um, I think he needs to consider one seventy. Just my two cents. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I used to fight at one seventy. He did. Yeah. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. I mean, getting knocked out by Wonder Boy happens. I mean, I'm just saying, if he can go to one seventy, there's not a clear contender. There really isn't. I don't think. I mean, it'd be after Leon. All respect, Leon Edwards is getting the next title shot, but there is nobody else after that. We have Usman. We have um Masvidal and Colby fighting for no reason on pay per view. That those are the other guys in this weight class. So here are the things to consider as to why that might be a good plan of action for Robert. 
And it's, a lot it's really this. When he was at 170, what was that, like four? It has to be like seven years ago at this point, right? When he came out of the, the Ultimate Fighter. 2014 is when he switched weight classes. Okay, he fought so for five years at welterweight eight, before eight that. Year, eight years ago. So was he a 24, 25-year-old that the reason why he had to move up to 185 because it was a Kelvin Gaston situation where perhaps his diet wasn't the best? Or was he just too big for one? We all thought it was a terrible idea, I remember. We talked about it on the podcast. We're like, he's not that big of a welterweight. Like, he didn't seem that mm -hmm. large of a man. He's 5'11". Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember thinking, like, is this really... And then he went up and started killing motherfuckers. So, I mean, it might be better for him in this weight class, but... Doesn't mean he can't go get get a title fight or something at 170. Again, it's not a deep weight class right now. Um, I had the rankings up. I, I think if if Dana presents to him some kind of opportunity where it's like if you go down and fight one contender and look good in that fight, we'll make you a number one contender. And, and if that sounds appealing to him, that could be an avenue. Again, not knowing the guy super well, I just don't see him being interested in running away from this. I don't, no, I don't think true. he would see this as being like, like, okay, I can't be dizzy. I just can't do it, guys. Like, I tried last time, and even though it was super I, – I, if anything, I think this performance shows him like, I can beat this guy. I need to make minor adjustments. I got him down multiple times. If he could have – honestly, if he could have held him down and controlled, he probably could have stole some of those rounds yeah. with a takedown. So I don't think this performance is so indicative of him not being able to beat Izzy. I think – What's more difficult is that he's fought him twice and has lost, and getting a third title fight is going to be potentially difficult. But I don't think, from what I heard in post-fight interviews, that he seems discouraged that he can't beat this guy, that he's not at the ability that he's going to be able to get another title shot. He seems very motivated that he's going to... Because, look, I mean, you have to imagine, he's number one contender. You know, when you fight for the title and you lose, you're usually number one so he has a nice prime spot to fight off a defender or two someone else trying to come if he can do that he's going to be in the title picture you can't deny him because he's going to be at the top of the rankings i mean so i think that's probably what he's done has anybody ever like, gotten well, has anybody ever gotten three max was going to be the first one we're going to get we're going to get third fight out of it right yeah i mean I, I think it depends on the rest of the field obviously we're going to talk about another contender coming up who i think also deserves it and it's going to be who else is in that ballpark but izzy and uh, Whitaker at this point have kind of beaten a lot of these. Yeah, Izzy's so talking they... about going up to two or five again. Um, which I think you have to maybe defend about another couple times if you want to go back up there again. Izzy, I mean, I, I hate to say like Glover seems like this daunting. Well, Glover's got to fight, but it doesn't seem you know great. what he's got to fight a very dynamic striker. And if um, what's his name, Bob? The guy he's going to fight who's Yeri? potentially. Yeah, Yuri, if he Yuri wins, and Izzy and would be a sick fight though. That Just would put that be out there. A very but Yuri's huge. Matchup. Like Yuri's like six four, isn't he? Six five. He a is big man. They're, what makes it compelling is they're very they're two extremely dynamic strikers. So you would have to imagine that matchup would be very compelling. You know, you know? what's also interesting? You said that like Robert's not going to run away for this, and I don't think he would either. But you know what? If you want to get a title shot, do you know what's an easy way to get a title shot in a, in a weight class? If you're holding another belt. They're That's not going to say no to that. I honestly, if we I feel we should, I feel we made the predictions earlier this year. One of us should have said that the UFC is going to go from 170 to split it into 165 and 175. No, oh, I'd be surprised. And I don't think it's happening. Let me tell you why I think it's going to happen. They just want title fights. They're going to put a belt on the poster, right? 
Make a whole new weight class. There's no other weight. You don't think no they do 195 before? They, they I don't think there's a talent for, for 195. So long though. There's no ta There's not enough talent for 195. There's a lot of talent. I mean, 170 is the like 170, 180, like 170. That weight class, 170, 155, 145. That is like the super athlete to this sport. And 175 exists. It opens it up for a lot of people, I think, too. 165 exists. You know, that'd be I, I mean, too. I don't disagree. I just think it's hard to be like, okay, not only are we going to make a new division, we're killing off an existing one and kind of killing the history because now it's like you I, don't I think have you just got to change. I think you just have to change the name of one of those to welterweight. Super welterweight or something. I mean, no, I, one of them is welterweight, another one's super lightweight, or one of them's welterweight. I don't think it's a bad is... idea, and I don't disagree that you know maybe at this point in time there's not a ton of guys that would fit in that 195 category. It just I'm not against 195 my, either, Mark. I think it just makes just, sense in my head to be. It, oh, I mean, every maybe 10 do, pounds it, makes sense. Every 10 pounds, which I don't think is. I don't a, think it's too many either because I think like this isn't boxing where it's every three pounds. But, like, mm -hmm. 170, like, I'm saying this guy should go to 170, and he did. And, like, it's a lot of weight. Like, also 185 to 205 is a lot of weight. Like, Izzy fought There's also the thought that the UFC hasn't been around so long that it's, like, you shouldn't be married to these weight classes. They've been around for maybe 20 years. I mean, they turned 200 to 205 just because they felt like it, right? Wasn't that a thing? Or was 199 was middle, was, was it was called? Wasn't was that because of uh, Chuck Liddell? That Chuck Liddell could uh, hit 205, not 200? Who was the guy? I don't know. That was. I don't know if that's a story. I remember it was like 199 when Tito won the belt, though. But anyway, um, we'll see where they go from here. Uh, Co-main event: Tai Tuivasa, Derek Lewis. The people saying Derek Lewis just took a dive. Did Did they not see him get hit? Well, didn't he get with an elbow? Well, I think it's because like, he like went mm -hmm. down and he like got he away went on his down, knee. He did not like completely. And I remember I when I first saw it, I was like. He went down a little, and I'm like, kind of glad. Look, this is a big boy. We don't need him just flatlining straight on his face. But he went down in a way that I don't think he was, I don't think he, he like, he took wasn't a dive or anything. But he but was he done. He, he fell down in such a way that, like, he made, it, it. he did not get hurt on the way down, which I'm thankful for. He kind of went down knees first. He did not completely face plant. He went down in such a way that made it seem like he maybe wasn't completely Divorce. People are acting like he. People act like he wasn't knocked out though. Like I was a knockout. No, but yeah, but but at the same time, when I watched it again in real time, like the way his his right arm is just limp. Like this is a proud guy. I don't think he would in front want of his to friends go and out family that way. too. Like yeah, he's gonna do that I, I would think if if in this weird scenario where he is going to potentially take a dive, I think he would much rather go out on his shield and kind of like cover up and just take some extra shots and be like, well. I got caught and I couldn't move and he, you know, I covered up the best I could. The referee had to stop it. I don't think he would want to go out this way. I think that shot hurt him well, and I think he he fell in such a way that he avoided any like collateral damage from just you know a, a dead body just going thump on the ground. And I'm thankful, you know, he's a big boy. I I don't need to see him go face first into the canvas. Um, but it, it was it was a great fight and a huge win for uh, yeah. Ty. So you know, hat goes off, Mike. Put away the fact that this is we're all we all love Taito Ivasa and like you know we know how serious we take him as a fighter and all that stuff, which is it's weird to say how serious we take him as a contender. Put that aside for a moment. If I tell you a man has won five straight fights at heavyweight by knockout, the last two against top ten opponents, the last one being against the number three ranked heavyweight whose previous fight was against was for a championship. And the number one and number two ranked heavyweights right now both have losses, clear losses, to the heavyweight champion of the world. The number four ranked heavyweight has a 
has two knockout losses at heavyweight champion of the world. And heavyweight champion of the world has got a torn MCL. Is not going to fight for the rest of the year. There's a lot of qualifiers. I'm just saying that's the reality of what's happening right here. Does Tai Tuivasa deserve a title shot? Look, you said a lot. I, I mean, those and weight classes are I would have stopped you. I would have stopped you when you said a heavyweight who's won five fights in a row. I would have stopped you. If there's a heavyweight that's won three fights in a row and they're in the top 10, give that match. Well, he was number 11 before this. That's that's, that's fine. <laughs> give me a heavyweight who's around the top 10. If he's won three fights in a row, come on, get his ass in there. Come on. Look, I know at this he's point, like... At this point, the heavyweight division has needed real, real new blood outside of the like two or three contenders that always seems to be the same ones at heavyweight for a lot of years. Taito Ivasa is a breath of fresh air. Well, maybe not fresh. Well, air, who's Blades fighting? Uh, we know. talked about this today, Marcus. Who's Blades fighting soon? He's number no, four. The police guy that Derek just beat, right? Yeah. Chris. He, uh, that's, that's a main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, uh, this weight class is a mess. Um, if he's not going to get a title shot, cool. He, he convinced Dana White to do a shoey. I just watched that. Which Ew. is real gross. I hope it was a fresh shoe. Dana at least got some common sense, I'd hope. Look, mm-hmm. at least we never, at least he didn't get to see a cuppy. That was real gross. Okay, that's better. Usually the couples have holes in them too, so there's like some logistical problems there, but. <laughs> yeah. That's the issue you see. I like that. that he had like a sponsored <laughs> shoey, the first many. one. What a minute. The first one was like sponsored, like the shoey. It was like a specific shoe and it said something. you some know what? I love that. Yeah. Because I saw that and I thought, this man needs to be champion because this man knows how to market himself. Someone got in his ear. Ty, man. Ty, man. Look, last time you got some hot sauce down your throat. Look, I set you up with this nice company, right? Right? The guy will step his foot in it a bit so you know it's authentic. But let's get this <laughs> shit branded. Authentic. We don't want to Yo, you know he took like two shoeies afterwards that we saw, though. Like he was taking a bunch yeah. of shoeies on the way out. I mean, I don't even have a problem with Ty necessarily getting the title shot. I think what is difficult for me personally, and it's not even like at the end of the day, it's like it's like whatever, you know, whoever if, if they're going to earn the title shot, they still have to beat the champion to become the champion. I think it's tough. And this Derek Lewis fell into the same category. It's just when, when we're getting to champion level, you know, fights. I kind of expect my fighters to be a little more skill based and, and I don't want to like take anything away from these guys, but they both fall into a category, which is like they're big guys. They hit hard. And I, and I want to accept away from Derek because he actually showed some, some new, you know, skills here. And he's shown that he can fight off. The, he can fight off his back. He can do really good escapes. I've always, dude, he got a you know, trip takedown. Like he got like three yeah, different get, like it, things going on there, man. And seeing that it was kind of like, he's trying to evolve. But I think what's tough is, you know, when I think of champions, I do, especially in the heavyweight, I like to think of them as, as being somewhat skilled athletes that really have a craft that they've honed in. And again, I don't want to take away from these guys because they are good fighters. They're, they're fantastic fighters. But when I look at the upper echelons of a Stipe, Big Nog, Fedor, Cain Velasquez, even a Brock Lesnar, like these guys are guys that have like a skill, a craft in the martial arts. And you know, and again, I don't want to take anything away from these guys because, but but in my head, they're always kind of like big bruisers. These guys carry a heavy punch. But again, when it comes to someone who's a little bit more tactical, who has the ability to negate where the fight's being fought. They tend to beat guys like this, and but they earned it. You know, Derek earned his shots. Derek he, got he two. It off. He and he earned it by knocking out all of his opponents. You know, and sometimes those guys weren't maybe the most impressive, 
but you still have to get in there and get it done. So, and that's 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 really my only takeaway with Ty is that he has an impressive run. You know, five wins is nothing to to scoff at. But I haven't seen a level of athletic. I mean, not even athleticism, just like a level of being able to fight in all these areas. To and, and it's almost something with Naganu. Like even when Naganu was coming up against Deepa in the first fight, is like this dude can hit hard. But does he have the whole skill set to be a champion? And Stipe kind of showed in that first fight he doesn't. And Naganu had to evolve. And we're seeing Derek evolving. And maybe Ty's going to evolve. And well, we're going to see what? him utilize more skills. But that, that's kind of my only takeaway. It's also entirely possible because Tuivasa is only 28 years He's old. very young. Yeah. Either way, by the way, evolving. we all agree. This man is one win away at most, though. He's five sure, wins at heavyweight. Absolutely. At minimum. Then again, this weight class makes no sense. And a one win away in interim title shot is the same thing to me. It doesn't matter. He yeah. says he's willing to fight John Jones, by the way. If I'm <laughs> John be- Jones, I would say, okay. Because you think, worst case, John Jones thinks he can take him down. Right? Yeah. Again, you're fighting someone that, on paper, you would think you have a lot more skill sets, a lot more tools to I just want to see utilize. John Jones try to take one of those shots, though. That'd be real cool, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, by the way, this is how John Jones gets the heavyweight. John Jones is like, look, I'll take your fucking piddly-ass offer for me to go to heavyweight. But I want a belt on the line, and I want to fight Tuzo Tuivasa for that belt. I'm just saying. I think Mark's, Mark's computer froze just. Oh, there you're back now. It like froze for a moment from. Uh, no, I was gonna say, and, and like, so it's an interim fight. John Jones and Ty and, and they like can't make Don it up for the real Stipe belt. The second, just, the second they cut, the second they make a real new champion, the other guy's a free agent. Well, I know, but I just think it's a weird scenario where I, I think there's other guys that maybe they don't. I mean, yeah, you can look at Stipe, you can look at uh, Gone, who just lost, and be like, well, they're not coming off wins. But I still feel like they have. Look, if I'm the UFC, I don't want a UFC champion. I don't want a heavyweight champion that's definitely lost to the the guy who's about to leave. If I can avoid that, if I don't have a heavyweight champion where we definitely say he's definitely not better than Francis Ngannou, I saw Steve Bay lose to him. I I saw Ngannou. It was like this guy wasn't even in the league to fight him. I'm not saying Ty's going to win, but fucking John Jones might. I don't think that that matters what you said. The uh, UFC is very good at propaganda. The the UFC propaganda, it's going to be hard to win this one, man. When the heavyweight champion just walks, if you at least have a new champion that isn't worse than the champion for sure, that's just me. I maybe I maybe you, I'm wrong. You guys think we're gonna book, to be, we're gonna have we're gonna book to loser number one versus loser number two? Like th- these are two guys who can't beat the champion. You seem to be forgetting one important factor. No one cares. What do I mean by that? No one cares. John Jones hasn't fought. In. No one cares. Conor McGregor hasn't fought, you know, since he broke his leg, and no one really cares to see him again. At the end of the day, if Francis walks and we get a champ that Francis is beat, no one's gonna give a shit because, as much as I love Francis, no one's gonna be talking about Francis when he leaves the UFC. It, it, the the train just keeps moving. I mean, that's really the UFC's whole thing. I can't wait, till, Fra- I can't wait till Francis shows up with that heavyweight title to fight Tyson Fury. It's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> right now, right now, it it, it matters, and it, it and I agree with you, Bobby. Like like, oh, you're gonna have an interim champion with two guys who didn't beat the guy that left. Like right now, it matters, but the train keeps moving. Also, you know by the way, if this, like, if this is a meritocracy, we want to give it to the guys who are coming off of like they lost. They haven't fought anybody. CP ain't fought anybody in a year. That's like true. he can't fight anybody a year. Curtis Blaze if he beats up this light. cop. Curtis, I put it in bad terms. If Curtis Blaze defeats this police officer turned mixed martial artist, he lost twice to Ngannou. Like at least he beats. At least he fought somebody. Gone just lost three weeks ago. Like I don't know. 
I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm look. The tie to Ivasa thing is me. Isn't me. Like I get it. He's not the best heavyweight in the world. But at a certain point, you knock five people out, and you beat the number three guy who just fought for the belt. Like if he okay, yeah. let's put it this way: if he just knocked out Gone, would he deserve a title shot? Because Gone's I think two would have more merit or Stipe on it. It's one, two, and three right now are Lewis Gone and uh, Stipe. Right? Stipe didn't beat Gone. Gone didn't beat Stipe. I don't know which one of them beat Derek Lewis. Gone beat Derek Lewis. Gone did. Gone okay. did. And that's why if Ty it's more it, 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 it has yeah. more merit it doesn't mean like you beat the number three guy by knockout after knocking out four other people yeah like, i mean people have gotten it, title I, shots off of like far less in in my eyes like and at the end of the day it's like i'm not dying on this hill give it to ty i could really give a fuck you know at that point it's like sure let's see what happens and who's he gonna fight i mean that's the bigger question is who is is he fighting uh francis but I, I, in my eyes, it's like this guy was ranked 11. He had, he has had some good wins here, but like he beat Greg Hardy, like you know, yeah. like th- these aren't, these aren't the guys that are like upper le- level. In my eyes, Ty just got to the dance. He's in top 10 now, baby. And at heavyweight, he wins one more. No question anymore. There's no question. He beats Stipe, Gone, um, Alexi. Any of these guys that I've kind of established, especially these guys that I feel like I said, my big my hiccup is like I want to see him fight someone who's really skilled, someone that can fight on the outside, like uh, Alexi or Gone, and he beats that guy. You mean Alexander, it's like, okay. right? It's, sorry, yeah, Alexander. Because yeah. Alexi's the um, guy with the standing, uh, with all the chokes, the old guy. That's Alexi. Okay. Yeah, not 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 old Russian, not, yeah. uh, grappler. But we're talking about that's Volkov. My, that, that, that's my thing. Is like if he can beat someone that I I think is a skilled martial artist who can fight on the outside, who's tactical, who can you know? Because what I saw here is he took the fucking crown off dude who can fucking slug, and I'm super impressed with that. I really am. You know, Derek Lewis is the he has what the most knockouts in UFC history in heavyweight. I mean, this is something that was earned, and he most knocked knockouts that guy period. Out. Yeah, and I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. In a fight against two, you know, guys that are going in a firefight, I'm going to pick Derek Lewis pr- pretty much every day. Sometimes so a huge win. Mark, sometimes the pro wrestling rules of you can't knock out a Samoan sometimes come into play, man. It happens sometimes. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't even want to, like, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even but... know what we're debating anymore, to be honest. We're kind of all over the place. But I just think, like, this division is such a mess. Who, Mike's also ultimately care. They'll just put a pay-per-view on, put a belt on the poster, and call it a fucking Well, oh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But you know what? If you, wanna put John, if you want to put John Jones with a get John Jones a belt because he sells more than all these other guys, put him against this guy because sure. one trip, yeah, date I mean, down, and some chokes is, might do all, it. Of all the chess moves they make, if it's an interim belt with Ty Tuavasa and John Jones, I'm going to be like, I'm I'm here for it. But you I'm know what? At least, at least, confused. you know what? <laughs> One guy never lost a belt. The other guy's coming off five wins. That's enough. Um, all right. We really went down the rabbit hole with that. Um, what was uh, Derek Lewis? I mean, he's not going anywhere. He'll be back. So yeah, He'll knock out three more guys we never heard of, and then he'll be right in the title yeah. picture again. Uh, Jared Cannonier is the number one contender in the middleweight division with a mm-hmm. bullet. Um, remember, like, last week we were talking about Sean Strickland's performance, and we're like, hey, that's not the kind of performance you do to like, you know, like you think you're going to like secure yourself a title shot or you want to leapfrog the guys in the fight next week on pay-per-view. Well, this was the type of performance where you make people laugh if they consider Sean Strickland an unbroken contender over you, okay? He fucking, he put a stamp on it. And then he started talking about, I may, I turned blonde Brunson into blood Bronson and all sorts of wild shit, okay? And then he pointed right at Dana White and said, I want that title shot. And Dana White said, yeah, you're the, you're that okay? I understand. You're the number one contender. The champion said it too. 
That's an American yeah. contender, Marcus, right? He's never lost to him. That Jared Jared has never lost Izzy. It's rare. It's hard to find at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a fresh matchup, and I think that's what Izzy wants, too. I think it is difficult as, as a champion to keep fighting guys that you've already beaten. It's hard to get up for those fights. So I think Cannoneer checks off those boxes. Um, you know, he doesn't have the win streak that Ty does. You know, he's only won two. But when you look at the guys that he's lost, these are kind of cream of the crop guys. They're either guys that have held belts or have fought for belts. You look at uh, Whitaker, uh, Reyes, and light heavyweight, Jan Blotovitz, who was the former champion, and then Glover I mean, he's Teixeira. Five and one at middleweight. He's 5-1 at middleweight, though. Like the middleweight ones, he he's 5-1. Yeah. He's been and doing good. Was... The only one was Whitaker, which we just he just fought for a belt, had a really close fight. So, yeah, I think it's undeniable, and I think the um, comparisons we made last week about Strickland needing to put on a good performance to really solidify himself. And he didn't do that. And if Cannoneer did or Brunson did, they can kind of steal that. And yeah, Cannoneer did, you know, he had a tough fight. It was not, <laughs> he wasn't winning at first. He wasn't, wasn't winning. The fight seemed a little sloppy at times. I mean, cause that is kind of how Brunson fights. He fights with big looping punches. He's oh, yeah. kind of a, a wild hectic guy. So it didn't seem like the most tactical fight in the world, but he put an end to it, you know, he stopped Brunson, and like you said, Bobby, like we were talking about earlier with Robert, and maybe, you know, what is he going to do outside of the cage after this fight to promote himself? Cannonier did those things he needed, you know, he made, he had little jokes, he challenged for the belt. He went on the mic after the fight, and, you know, DC asked him, like, who do you want to fight next, or whatever, and he said, I want to fight the champion, that's what you... When I mean, Robert, Robert did that, that in fairness, he did say after his last win, I want to fight the champion, you gotta at least... Ty, by the way, just said, I'll fight anybody, brother! That was not the way to go about it. But. Yeah, but I mean, so that's, he was doing, he's doing all the right things to earn that shot. He won his, his fight in dramatic fashion with a finish, he called out the champion, it's a fresh matchup, all these dots are lining up for it to be a natural next fight. So it seems like, you know, that's going to be what it is. That's what 30, I'm 37 for. years old. I did not think Cannoneer was that old. Honestly, yeah, did he's not a little, he's up there. Old. Um, yeah, five and one has only lost to Whitaker. Mike, you know, what's going to be real obvious going forward. Mm. If the UFC doesn't want a guy to be, to be a champion or fight for the belt. They're fighting Rob Whitaker, right? Like <laughs> that's what that means. <laughs> If Sean I mean, Strickland, if Sean Strickland gets booked against Robert Whitaker next, you're gonna know the UFC's like, yo, enough with your stupid ass murder and I'd love that moron. fight. That'd be a great fight. Uh, you like who do you like on that one if it does happen? Uh, I don't. I, I think stylistically, that is such a fun fight. There's not. Oh, a it's lot got a good guys. matchup, but I think it's hard to pick against Bobby Knuckles. I, I, I do too. Way. I think I think it'd be a tough fight for Strickland, but I've never seen two guys that fight in such a boxing capacity. To have them kind of throw hands at each other, I think would be very interesting. I, I do think Robert has shown in his last couple of fights he's a little bit more dynamic. He obviously will kick a bit more. We've seen him grapple a bit more. Um, but Strickland's also a good grappler. So that sounds I, like I a fun fight, though. That fight is really intriguing. I, I kind of hope they make that. And then this Cannoneer and Izzy fight, I, I think Izzy chews him up. Uh, but I do think it's compelling and it's fresh, so I'm down. And you hit hard, man. You always have a chance if you that's hit the true. way you get yeah, I mean, And that's how they sell it, right? Like, this dude can knock anyone's block off. Can he do it against Izzy, who is going to have a huge reach advantage? Youth, athleticism, a lot of pluses are going to be on his side, but the power always can change a fight. So I think it's really compelling. I think both those fights are really cool. Um, Alexander Hernandez took on Hanato uh, Moicano. Moicano, back from obscurity on some level this man was a contender three years ago uh kind of fell on some hard times strung a couple wins together here finished alexander hernandez in the second round 
just a good performance for him overall, Mike. What else are we going to say, huh? Took care of business? <laughs> Can't really say much else. That's about it. Yeah, you try to string a couple more together, get back in the those featherweight ranking. Or so I guess he's a lightweight now. Okay, you got to win like seven more if you want a title shot at lightweight. Yeah, he has a huge long road ahead of him. He's light, light, lightweight. You got to win like seven. Okay, yeah. you have to win you seven be, and be and like be dynamic about it. Too. You got to beat Connor. You got to beat Chandler. You got to beat <laughs> Justin Gaethje. There's like ten killers. You go, can back go, 45, okay? go back it's to forty five. Okay, just go back to forty five. There, you're so. They're much running closer. out of contenders. Max is gonna get another title shot. Just. <laughs> Henry Cejudo's one win away from a title shot. Go back and call out Henry Cejudo, Moicano. You'll be one win away right there. Um, uh, Bobby Green, Na- uh, Nasrat, Hacksbrat. Nice win for Bobby Green. I just want to say I'm going to join, and I think Mark and Mike are about to join with me with this, the, the online sentiment that Bobby Green has earned a fight night main event. At this point, yeah. get this man a, a five-round. Get this really man a five-round main event. Like he's done enough. Like he's been around long enough. He's he's at know. the caliber for this. But I was thinking this fight. Like I would like to see. And maybe they maybe they did fight. Like oh, uh, I guess at one fifty-five they probably wouldn't do. Like him and Nate would be good. Like th- this is a guy that that is a effing veteran. Like he kind of deserves. Oh, that's a never, big that's never gonna happen. It won't. Um, but and I, I love the way he fights too. Um, especially in his last couple of fights, his, his hands and his head movement have really come together. Where he's actually, you know, he picked uh, Nazarot apart in this yeah. fight. He split that guard open like it was nothing. His jabs and straights were landing all night. I feel like if he really wanted to push forward and use some more power shots, if he would have mixed in some uppercuts, tagged the body a bit more, he probably could have finished this fight. But he just looks so slick out there. I was really impressed. I was trying to see if he's fought um, Gregor Gillespie because I'm just looking at the lightweight rankings, and I think that'd be a fun fight. Yo, whatever happened to Gregor Gillespie? Did he I get think hurt? he gets hurt a lot. It has to be. He's a good fighter. He's got so many fights. Let's get this man a main event on one of these shitty fight night cards. Yeah, at least get not? me to. Yeah, because I'm like God. The one this weekend's garbage. Like, come on, man. Let's get Bobby Green on one of those. Um, I'm just happy Bobby Green's still here doing it, man. He's 40 fights in. And this is a man who was fighting, you know, King of the Cage. If you're fighting King of the Cage and still fighting, you know, God bless you. I know King of the Cage might still exist. I'm talking King of the Cage like late 2000. I don't think he does. I'd be surprised. I think they I think they they bounced or something. What's his name was holding two belts at King of the Cage? Tony Lopez, I remember. Um this was a couple years ago. Oh, yep. I still think exists. He's bare knuckle. They still rocking. I'm just surprised Wait, I never hear of it. The current ever, champions ever. Oh, there's a lot of vacant champions. Okay, maybe that's why. No one's holding no belts. Yeah, a lot no of, one's sticking around. Know. But like, yeah, a lot of yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, the Wikipedia page for King of the Cage isn't great. Um, other also on this card, it was really nice that everybody gave the respect to Roxanne yeah. Modafferi that they did. Yeah, who'd have thought? And I think it's one of those things people don't really understand a lot of times about MMA. Because I remember James Tony said something. About, and this is a wildly different example, but like. When he said, like, how's Randy Couture in the Hall of Fame? He got 10 losses. And I'm like, oh, you don't really get this sport. And I don't mean that to diminish what he was like. In a lot of, like, compared to other fight sports, you got 10 losses, man. What the fuck? Like, Roxanne's got what? How many losses? I think she's 20, only, like, four four fights above 500. 20. 25 yeah, yeah. and 20. Okay? Doesn't matter. Roxanne's a legend. Um, Izzy said it really well. He talked about her. How she's just, like, a delight in this fight game and there's so many shitty people in MMA 
and in fight sports in general. She's honestly just comes off as a very good person. And uh, the judge who scored it for her um, probably shouldn't score fights anymore. And apparently it was only a second fight he worked in 10 years. Shouldn't be allowed to work UFC events if you're fighting, judging that. I mean, she got tooled. That was not close. I I like Roxanne just as much as everyone else on this podcast. But you were smoking some great ganja if you thought she won that fight. Yeah, she didn't. She, it wasn't. Even Perhaps close. you um, could give her one round if you want to say, well, it was in the second round when she got that takedown real late. Yeah. If you want to just be like really simplistic and give that round to her, sure. Yeah, so, but she, you know, sounds like she's engaged, she said, and okay, get married and, you know, live her life. And she's, I guess she, uh, whatever character she cosplayed as. I didn't I wasn't familiar with it, but you said it was something like that character, once they've given up all they power all their power, they gave it on to they gave it to the next it must have been All Might, right, Mike? Did, uh, I didn't know. Was it All Might? Now, now I gotta look. That sounds like But that was basically what she was saying. Like she's like, like, I like that character because after she was they were done, they gave it to the next generation. And oh, you yeah, can only think, I mean, look, the time I was in Kansas City and randomly saw Roxanne Modafferi in the uh Mike King confirmation. Who was it? All Might? Yep, Toshinori Yagi. Um, when I saw randomly Roxanne Montefiore when I was in a Kansas City airport, just in the like little coffee shop there, it was she was so nice, just the nicest person. Um, and you know, just wish her all the best, and I'm glad she had her moment, and the crowd gave her all that respect. That was nice to see, Mark. I thought it was just really nice to see, like you're getting. Oh, yo, I didn't watch the weigh-ins. Yo, oh no, that shit is dope as fuck. What she did because. She not only cosplayed as All Might with the hair, mm. a power down All Might. She also um, did one of the iconic moments from the show when he does finally lose all of his powers, um, fighting a big bad. Where he points to the cr- like he points to the successor and says, "You're next." She kind of did that as well. That's pretty powerful. Who'd she point at? Uh, well, she pointed just to the crowd. Oh, okay. But in the show, the character All Might, um, he points to a TV screen, but he's really talking to his successor, saying, "You're you're next in line." Like, you know. Did you guys you catch that she back. forgot to actually get on the scale at the ceremonial weigh-in? Yeah. She kind of walked past it. <laughs> she just kind of went past it. Marcus, what else do we say? A pioneer, a legend. Give her all the all the best. Yeah, going forward, no, I, mean, I guess. I think what's awesome is that. If you would have asked me years ago, like, would there be any fanfare for Roxanne Tyrement fight? I'd be like, no. Like, she she lived in you know for the most part of her career, like in fairly obscurity. You know, it wasn't until the UFC, it wasn't until she you know rejuvenated her career and actually you know had a second life in it. Um, I thought you know people that saw her on Strike Force, that's kind of where I think I first saw her. You know, she was a fantastic character. She was a really interesting personality. Um, her being on tough, I think, really helped get her a lot more exposure. But, you know, she earned it herself. You know, after her tough fight, she went back to Invicta and revitalized her career. You know, her striking got so much better. She really evolved as a she fighter. She gave a lot of credit to her coach. So she moved over to a syndicate also, right. John Wood, with that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, likewise, it was just like I would have never thought, I mean, it couldn't happen to a nicer person, but I would have never thought she, her last fight would have been met with any fanfare of anyone that you know there's only been so many people that actually kind of retired retired 
in the octagon that had planned like this is gonna be my last fight you know the fighter mentality is always you know on to the next one so a lot of fighters end up retiring outside of the octagon but to have it planned out and to have people you know appreciate you know what she did because yeah you can look at a record and be like yeah this is not great you know she barely broke 500 but sometimes in the fight game it's it's more about what you show in, in the octagon than just what your record um, says for you, which, you know, I think does go back to the, you know, kind of the roots of Japanese MMA, you know, and you look at guys like Matsui and Akira Soji, you know, it wasn't about them getting W's. It's about like, they went in there and they went for it, you know, and Roxanne was definitely a person for a lot of her fights. She did not have the skill she needed to be competitive, but it didn't matter her. She still went out there and gave it her all and tried to win those fights. Um, and she's had really good success and she has evolved. So, yeah, I'm super happy about, you know, her being able to close this chapter um, of her career and go on to the next thing and, uh, you know, wish her all the best. And and she got sent off, you know, in the type of way that she deserved to, but I didn't think was going to happen. So, yeah, super happy about that. Mike, anything to say? There's a lot of times people talk about how, MMA fans are, you know, lunkheads and, and brutes. And this was one of those times I, I, I was very proud of MMA fans um, giving her respect. So <laughs> they didn't need to boo the other lady that much. That was funny. Then, no, no, she, no, went no, full, she went full Al. She went Al like Quinta on them. No, that, that, was was, that was the best of MMA fans on both spectrums <laughs> because I love that they booed her because. You never, you know, you don't pee into the wind and you don't, you know, you don't swim against the current. All right. And that chick tried to do both like at the same time. All right. <laughs> so that was great. That was great off the top. Like, yes, boo her ass. That was great. And then the respect they just showed to Roxanne, you know, um, you always got to respect someone who fights doing something, especially when the, for the majority of their career, it's obscure. You're getting paid shit money to do it. So props to Roxanne. I'll, I'll miss seeing her win a fight, then lose a fight, then win a fight, then lose a fight. Then win two. And go on and go on. Maybe yeah. win two. Um, okay. Um, that's it for UFC 271. The next pay-per-view the UFC is sending out there is uh, UFC 272 on March 5th. Um which I'll probably be watching Batman while this one's happening. Um, in Vegas, headlined by uh, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, co-main event of Rafael Fizel and uh, Dos Anjos, Rafael Dos Anjos, the Battle of the Rafaels, which got moved off the card this weekend because Rafael Fizel couldn't get his visa sorted out in time. Um, so they're going to fight five rounds. It's a real weird fucking card when you think about it. Like... It's going to have two non-title fights that are five rounds. Just that second one, no one even cares about. I mean, it's a good fight, Rafael Fisev and Dos Anjos, but anyway. Um, some news. We missed this a couple weeks ago, and by we, I mean, it was my fault. Mike told me about it. Mark, guess mm. who got to go on the Ellen show? Oh, yeah. Wasn't it? It was Nunez, but wasn't it also who beat It was her? not Nunez, but oh, it was, well, she, it she was, was Juliana Pena. It was on the show. Oh, Pena, sorry, yes, of course. Nunes Juliana Pena got invited to the show, not Amanda Nunes. No, I feel you have, we're you have it all wrong, Bobby. You have it all wrong. Amanda Nunes was on the show. However, 
the part of Amanda Nunes that was on the show was her getting knocked out by Juliana Pena. <laughs> I'm, I, I look. So she did make it onto Ellen. I'm not what? saying the UFC definitely listened to our podcast. But I am. Actually, I am. I'm saying exactly that. Well, okay? then they kind of fucked it up. They did it way I too late. I feel they specifically... Ellen lost all her juice now, right? Like, don't, people don't like Ellen as I feel much we got mocked. This is all revenge for the time when I was ripping on the UFC podcast and we were blocked by the UFC for like 10 minutes, I swear. But, look, jokes aside, what the fuck? Well, I think, on, is, I think it is really funny because I have to imagine, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe well, it was Ellen wasn't years. even there. It was guest host Mario Lopez. Oh, and he's okay. a big MMA fan. So okay, that might yeah. be part of it. Um, I, I have to assume UFC had some making in having this happen. Um, I just think it's weird that, especially with the other news of Joe Rogan not showing up and the and then Dana, you know, going against the, the grain of what the company said is like, they are embracing their controversial characters. Like Pena just got off to Joe Rogan saying that I don't believe in COVID in the vaccine. And they're she like, made, you know what? You made Joe Rogan say, whoa. Yeah, she made Joe Rogan be like, oh man, maybe, maybe my show is harming society in some way by having all these lunatics on and spouting nonsense and people believe it. And now I have a hope. I have a guess that is proof, proof positive of that happening. But I like the UFC brass being like, you know what? We need to get her on more cameras, baby. Let's get her in some. Let's more get a mic in front of this woman. TV. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then the Joe Rogan stuff is like, I, I guess Joe is in a little bit of heat about some of his jokes previously, and the UFC isn't like, oh, they're not like we want to distance ourselves from Joe because you know he said some controversial stuff. Maybe we don't want to be associated. They're like, no, 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 no. We absolutely want him to come on and say well, whatever nonsense he wants look. to say. Okay, let's get into the Joe Rogan stuff. Okay. Yeah, I think it's big Because, news okay, Joe Rogan, this is going to sound weird, so I'm going to try to word it carefully. The N-word stuff with Joe Rogan, that's not the major problem, in my opinion. He shouldn't say that, obviously, even in a joking manner, okay? And that Planet of the Apes bit, not great, okay? That wasn't good. No, not good, okay? I don't necessarily think Joe Rogan is a racist, but then again, I don't know Joe Rogan. Izzy Adesanya gave a pretty firm defense of Joe Rogan not being a racist. But I feel the topic switching from is Joe Rogan pumping out bullshit misinformation that is damaging society? That transitioning to is Joe Rogan a racist is not helpful. We need to go back. The other part is more relevant, whether he's damaging society. You're you're correct, but the problem is, is that the original argument was more nuanced. There's a lot more areas of gray. What's very simple is just to say Joe Rogan is a racist. Look, I, I, okay, look, I know when people complain about cancel culture and all this shit, but it did feel like this one was like, we well, gotta get rid of this Joe Rogan motherfucker. Him lying isn't enough. Let's, what do we got on him? He said the N word a bunch. Does that help? Okay, it didn't help. He's still around. What the hell? Yeah. Like, I it's mean, the, weird. And the thing with Joe is like, we obviously we've been very familiar with Joe Rogan for a long time, and we knew about his podcast before it meant anything. And Look, at it, I had no problem with it. And this is like, it's almost like the Trump thing too. I didn't really care about Trump because when they're irrelevant and it's not a national thing where they have like millions and millions of people listening to their every word and believing everything they're saying, it's like, whatever, Joe wants to have a conservative person on that's about a bunch of nonsense and he doesn't really hold their feet to the fire. Whatever. He's just having a podcast, man. He's just doing his thing. But when it gets to such a level that he's at now, when you're the president or you're the biggest podcast in the world and you're getting millions of dollars and you have millions of viewers, like you kind of get held to a higher standard. And I don't really feel like he's raised himself up to well, really know, be that. Uh, what I think happened, my two cents in this is, and I think that's a fair assessment entirely. So I was listening to this guy's podcast when it was podcast number like 20. 
when it was just him and uh, Brian Redband just talking about bullshit. And then every third episode, Joey Diaz would talk about all the cocaine he used to snort in the, in the 80s and 90s. It's entertaining as hell. But then Joe started putting on people that are more and more interesting. And then every now and then you get to like, you put some, like I knew who Alex Jones was because I'd heard him on Joe's show. And I'm like, are we, we're not taking, no one's taking this guy seriously. He's an idiot. Sure. And then he put on some random like physicist and he'll put on a random dietitian. And it was people from all over the thing. And then eventually in the last couple of years, it seemed to lean in a certain direction the people Joe was having on. And then he kind of embraced that position, I think, because once you're getting paid that kind of money, presumably he thinks that's what people, what he needed to do to get that kind of money. Um, I feel it was a, it was incredibly poorly, like poorly thought out for him to go and think that like he was going to be able to like have his show owned effectively by Spotify and him be able to say whatever he wants without consequence. Like that's the difference when like, when I t- when we talk about someone like Pat McAfee, who like has got tons of listeners and getting paid $30, $40 million by different brands, they, he still owns his show. He's getting sponsors and stuff. Joe doesn't own this show anymore is what it sounds like. Uh, so no, he does. For $100 million, he's, you, you, yeah. they're just sponsoring he's only, you? got an exclusive contract. It's an exclusive contract to be on Spotify. Spotify doesn't own his podcast. And okay, three let me work years, this differently. Three then. or four years when his, when his deal is up, he still owns the Joe, the, the the podcast. And he'll get I do zero remember, dollars. I do remember. I do remember that from the time when. Does um, he have any other sponsors? Uh, this is it, right? Whatever, whatever sponsors are at the front end of his uh, podcast. Okay. It, regardless, him thinking he was going to get away with just like, because Joe Rogan's podcast, the premise has always been it's Joe Rogan talking some bullshit with his buddies, and then he gets some doctor on, and he tries to talk like that. People thought he was serious. And people and he doesn't and he doesn't hold anybody he doesn't second guess anybody on anything and, and he'll just and, say something he heard the last thing he heard is the thing he's gonna say and, and now fairness, we're here so go ahead Mike Joe Rogan has never I, I don't I I would disagree that Joe Rogan thinks he he would be able to get away with this I think and I say this not as an insult I think Joe Rogan is simple enough and curious enough that. Yeah, he he just thought, yeah, I just want to interview a, a bunch of people. Maybe maybe I've drank too much of the Kool-Aid, but in all of the hours of the Joe Rogan experience that I've watched, he is just a genuinely curious person that yeah, a lot of times it, it seems like he'll just parrot out what he heard maybe about a week ago, but it never seems See, like I, there's any ill intent. I disagree because I think he's not I think he knows what he's doing more than that, and I think I don't think it was an accident. The show ended up where it was with the t- with the type of content it did, and the and when you have that Milo fuck on all the time, and uh, Alex, he had him on he, like once. He didn't have him on. He had time. Milo on like ten times, bro. What are you talking about? When? Once. When? I've only I've only remember seeing one episode where he had Milo. Is it okay. Milo or Milo? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. I know he's. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Him. You got Alex Jones on. You got whatever um you got that stupid ass doctor who knows nothing about anything and has decided climate wasn't real jordan peterson's been enough jordan peterson's been enough on enough times that mike and i don't need to argue about that milo guy being on okay that's enough right there i think this is not a mistake that being said what happened with the ufc this past week where they ufc put out a statement on friday saying joe rogan wasn't going to be there because of some sort of scheduling thing 
Um, the UFC put that statement out. And then on Saturday, Dana White's like, that's all bullshit. Um, do we think the, do we think the ESPN made that call? Do we think Disney made that call? Or do we think Joe Rogan said, I'm going to lay this one. I'm going to lay back on this one. Maybe it's smart for me not to be as prominent with my shit. What do you, I don't think it's that. I honestly think they had to get pulled. That's my guess. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I don't know. That's. I didn't really think about ESPN kind of coming in because that's what kind of made me like raise an eyebrow when Dana was like, no, he won't. Dana White was this close to calling him a pussy because Dana White, of all things he is, Dana White is like, out of spite, he would have Joe Rogan on the show because that's the type of person he is, right? He'll just like, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, so I I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting. He got in some heat and I would have thought the UFC or the brass would be like, you know what, maybe... He's not on this one, but it could have, you know, at the other time, it could have been Joe just being like, you know what? There's a lot of heat on me. I don't need to go out and put myself in public in that kind of format. Let me just do, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's still doing his show. Like, let me do the show. That is where like, I kind of, yeah, it's like where oh. he, he's in control in those aspects, right? Like he has the mic the whole time or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it was like, personally, like, look, my feelings for Joe have changed throughout the years. Um, it's not like I hate the guy. I just feel like he has found himself in a position of power that I don't think he really ever assumed he would get to or even potentially crave. But this is where we find ourselves. And to an extent, you know, not listening to his show hardly ever. You know, I may have watched clips here and there, but never listened to a full episode. I've always found him to be what Mike has described as he's always seemed like a guy who's very curious on his show. I don't find him usually being super standard. Like half the time I've ever seen the show is just like, yeah, I don't know. Let's have Joey fucking pull that up on Google, which again is not great because his fact checking is Jamie, just, pull that shit up, please. <laughs> yeah, is his fucking producer Googling shit, which is like that's not how you do real research. Like you have to find incredible sources that are like, you know, uh, educational journals and stuff, people who have done, you know, a years of research on a topic and that have a thesis and hypothesis. This is honestly it's really the example method. of people deciding credentials didn't matter. Right. And it yeah. does. I mean, and it's 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 a bigger issue. But like at the end of the day, it was like, did I miss Joe Rogan on the pay-per-view? No. Am I glad that instead of having Joe on there, especially now where Joe's at in his career, having another fighter on the commentary? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Honestly, I'm okay like, with these guys that went into the octagon, get their face punched in and bled for my entertainment. If they have the capabilities to be in the booth and do a good job like Bisping does. I'd rather have him there than Joe at this point. Joe, he was there. He did a great job. He brought some credibility to the sport when it kind of needed it. But I think at this point, if they parted ways, I'm not missing too much, honestly. And if they want to put more fighters in the booth, I'm all fucking. Look, and like I agree with you. And I think like he's he was an important part, man. He did help. He was. He really did. I don't want to diminish that. And it's like honestly, when this whole when Joe Rogan's descent into this shit for me ultimately, that was just a bummer. I thought sure because I found him to be an interesting guy, and I enjoyed his show before. And I didn't, like, I was just like, I pre- at least, like, it was all over the place with the stuff he'd put on. But at a certain point, I was like, this isn't for me anymore. Like, it just yeah. isn't for me. I remember, like, it was, like, five years, was it, like, it was, like, 2016? I was, remember listening to, I was I was lost. I was I was walking in Vienna. I was kind of lost. And I was uh, listening to him interview Bernie Sanders. And I remember thinking, like, this is real cool, man. Like, you got Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders on. And then, like, you yeah. have other people on, too. But like, this is real cool. You know, good for Joe. And then, you know, now we're here. And, like, yeah, I just fucking ex president. Ex president had to say Joe Rogan shouldn't have apologized for saying the n word. I'm like, 
Where, where not, are we? All right, all, right, all right. You need a bit more than just an ex-president. An ex-president makes makes it sound like. Do you think what, I need to specify ex-president, Mike? Jimmy Carter was out. Mike, here do you really think I need to specify ex-president? Be honest. Yes, only For because who? here's why. Here's why. Only because you do a disservice to the other presidents to even lump him with the other ones. All right. Look. Okay. Yeah, I know he actually was president, but still. There's only like five of the motherfuckers alive. <laughs> Not my okay. We know which one said it. Okay. Um that Jimmy being Carter, said, Jimmy Carter's I've decided from Georgia. I mean, it could have been him. You don't know. No, he's a peanut he's like farmer. He never. Yo, he was like fifty before it became not cool to be racist. Dude, you don't he, know. Son. He, no, Jimmy's a peanut farmer. He's fine. <laughs> you didn't flip. Look, but I've decided now. The more I think about it, I kind of like Dana White more or less calling Joe a pussy. It kind of made me laugh. The more I think about it, nothing. Nobody was hurt. I was entertained by that. I mean, Joe might have been hurt, but you could tell Dana was like. He's so close to saying Joe Rogan was never my friend, you know? <laughs> like, he was so close. There was nobody Dana White will it not was throw this under close. that bus. He's just waiting for he bodies. He was so to close him. to calling him a pussy. So close to, like, he's just... But that, by the way, that being said, I think Michael, Michael Bisping did a good job. Okay. I know some people thought they were a bit too in the bag for Izzy in the main event. Again, I thought Izzy won that fight, so I don't know what you people are talking about. I think Michael Bisping's better at this than Joe Rogan. I think Michael Bisping's better than this and Daniel Cormier. I do think Bisping, I think I think the combination of Anik, Rogan, and Cormier, they got some chemistry. And some of it is the people like their fucking memes of them all going, It's too oh! much of the memes now. It's too much. Um, I have think the, the camera for it now. I'm like, it's too much. The rare occasions I watch these fight nights, I think the combination of Michael Bisping, Brendan Fitzgerald, and Paul Felder is really good. Yeah. I think those three together are really good. Um... But you know what? Team Bald is on the pay-per-views. Team Generic White Guy is on the uh, is on the fight nights. I don't know. I thought, I mean, it, nothing was lost. He'll be back, probably. Or he won't. Doesn't matter to any of us. I assume he will. At some we point. spent 20 minutes talking about this. But we're going to be eventually to talk about Joe Rogan's bullshit. Um, this card this weekend is not good. Like, and I feel we don't they, have to They lost the main event, and that's literally all these fight nights have. So. Yeah. I feel like we have, we have to keep saying this every time we do this, but like obviously we're not shitting on the fighters, blah, 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 blah. We're not saying they're not good fighters. What we're saying is they have not provided the, the UFC has not promoted adequately these individuals to justify me spending three to seven hours on a Saturday watching them perform mixed martial arts. Is that fair? Yeah. I think the next fight night actually looks, there's a couple fight nights coming up. That the next look one half is decent. fucking it's Daryush just... and uh, Makachev. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. There, there's some good stuff coming up, but. Okay, even that one's like that main event's good. No, it's only the main event. It's just the main event with all these. But we're moving on. We're not picking any fights uh, this week. Congratulations to Jim Miller fighting his like 57th UFC fight. I don't know what the number is. It's a lot. Um, He's on that card. And if Johnny Walker wins, we'll know Johnny Walker's still good. And if Jamal Hall Hill beats Johnny Walker, we'll say, who the fuck was Jamal Hall Hill? We'll know who that is next time. Maybe maybe the UFC will make us care. For sure. Um, All right. Let's do stuff we like. Um, I got a couple things. Um, you want to go last one? No, or or no? Was I'm that you about. saying? Let me just wrap. No, I'm, go, I'm, I'm just gonna, let me go first. Um, mine's kind of in the wrestling category. First, Brock Lesnar today was on the Pat McAfee show, and Mike has now watched this. And I know it's gonna be hard for me to sell a lot of you on watching a fifty-minute, five-zero-minute interview with Brock Lesnar because we assume the man knows four words and one of them is a grunting noise but um it was so good 
Like it was I've I've been watching Brock Lesnar be famous for 20 years. I think 2000 I think uh April 2002 he made his WWF debut. Um WWE maybe at the time, I don't know. It's been 20 years. And I've never really understood Brock. Like I kind of understood he likes money and he's here for that and stuff. We've all kind of assumed things about Brock like he's an athlete, he likes to compete. We never really and like he's had interviews here or there but I don't know what happened in the post, like this version of Brock that's been around for the last like four or five months, post coming back from isolation this time. Uh, I don't know what happened, but Brock is just like, I'm going to be Brock Lesnar completely. And he's just telling wild stories about like people, he's talking about his top knot haircut, like his ponytail. And he's like, yeah, my kids dared me to if I would go on TV with that. And I said, I'll do it. And I'm like, wow, okay. And like Brock has got a Stone Cold Steve Austin impersonation. He's got a, he's got an auctioneer thing. Did you catch that part, Mike, where he started doing the auctioneer voice? He's I like did. Oh, one, he's like one and a two and I uh, got a three over there and the other thing. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, he's talking about like, yeah, I was on that bearded. Uh, was it? It was the bearded butcher show. I liked their show, so I went on their YouTube show and they made a season. I bought a seasoning blend, the Brock seasoning blend today. I literally did. It was ten bucks. I'm like. I'll see what Brock cooks with. And it's sure. like a it's like a bucket, isn't it? Like, I didn't buy the a, bucket. You could have uh, bought five pounds. I didn't need five pounds. Um, he's talking about like, you know, Dana White and Vince Vince McMahon saying, you know, Vince, I've kind of viewed more as a father figure than Dana. Dana's, you know, I like Dana. Dana probably should have paid me more money. You know, he's just I just didn't I never really understood Brock Lesnar as a person. And I kind of get him now, I think. And like, you know, when he says, like, I don't care if I'm in the Hall of Fame, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what list I'm on or I'm not list. He says, I'm going to be a good father. I want my friends and family to like me. And I want to make as much money as possible. And I'm like, all right, I get it. And it was just really fascinating. Like, I really enjoyed it. I was like, it was everything good about that Pat McAfee show, honestly, Mike. That, like, people aren't giving it a lot of, people don't really get that show, I think, because it's getting a lot of attention because of the Aaron Rodgers bullshit. But, like, it's literally like he gets people on his show and they just, like, fucking, like, Pat's got some credibility as an ex-athlete. So, like, these people are willing to talk to him a little bit. And it was, he just asked the right questions. Let them run their fucking mouths. So, I don't know. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, You about to say something? Uh, No, not really. Uh, Just wanted to say that I finished watching that interview maybe about an hour before we started this podcast. And... I mean, I've known about Brock Lesnar since uh, the early aughts when he came into the WWE. Can't really say I've seen many interviews with him outside of like when he was in the UFC. Mm. I've never seen him so engaged and with so much personality, even inside of the WWE. Mm. It, it was a great time. I laughed out loud maybe about four or five times with the things he was doing. Maybe because it was just so out of character from what we've seen, but it was a great time. He ended the interview by flinging the headphones he was wearing in the air, and it landed in, like, the rafters of the studio they were in. I mean, the interview started off with the way Pat McAfee's set set is, uh, is, is configured is that whoever is the guest has, like, a little almost, like, roll away table where there's a mic on it. And in the middle of Brock saying something and getting a little excited, Pat just kind of says, don't break the table, dude. To which 
Brock takes that takes that as a cue to just Hulk smash the table with both of his arms. He really did. He went hands up, double fisted, Hulk smash the table. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I thought it was really cool. I think it's worth your time. Um, if you're at all interested in Brock Lesnar, I guess, which I didn't know I still was, but I thought that was great. It was really interesting to me. Uh, the other thing, um, this AEW show last week, that uh, that Dynamite show, Mike, was exhausting. Just because, like, the amount way. of stuff that was happening, like, just every, I, I could, I lost track of, like, the amount of debuts and this. The real big takeaway was I'm a, I'm a big Switchblade, Switchblade Day, uh, Jay White fan, and I thought it was really cool to see him in AEW. Um, I don't know how much work he's going to get there. I bet he works the pay-per-view, and I'm excited for that. He's a very talented, talented wrestler, and uh, he's been doing great work in Japan as, you know, big foreign heel, but it's a man who knows how to go. And the other one was Keith Lee debuted, and as Stefan put it, he looks even heftier. Um. I shared the clip, Mike, I shared it with Mark, of him throwing Isaiah Cassidy the entire length of the ring. And I think well, like you were talking, you and me were talking, we're like, they could have just done this, this debut night on Raw, and he would have been a made man. Have him throw Rey Mysterio out of the ring once like that. <laughs> that would have done it. It's amazing how they didn't see money in this well, guy. Well, I don't well, I never understood about the then I know you're talking about AEW specifically, but one thing I've never understood about the WWE and the time I've gotten back into in the last what four years or so, it's someone is over in NXT. They're quote unquote developmental, where they have a fan base. You know, they got over for a reason in NXT. I don't think the NXT audience is that much different from the Raw and SmackDown audience that the same thing shouldn't work. And they seem to have an issue that when someone gets called up to the main roster, they want to change everything about them. Mike, it's wildly different. There's is an it? audience of one. It's still it's it's still audience of one, brother. Oh, gotcha. There's the gotcha. audience of one on that network, man. It's his show. The one good thing of him being involved with the new NXT for their sake is at least you think there's going to be some connection that these guys were brought up. Keith Lee is going to be AEW world champion, and it's inside of, what, 18 months at the longest? Only because AEW lets their champions hold the belts, and we got to wait for MJF to win the belt and hold it for a year probably. And you think it'll be a feud between MJF and Keith Lee? I, By the way, I just want MJF, I just want Keith Lee and Wardlow to run at each other at full speed. That's all I want. They got some big... When they start getting hosses at AEW, bro, they got some hosses now. Um, I think that'd be cool, personally. MJF is on fire. So, the AEW's killing it these days, man. They're really doing on a good show. Um, and I always say, it's not that they're a perfect show. It's that they're definitely the better show. That's really it. They're just putting on a better show. Um, that's it. That's all I got this week. I'm still loving Peacemaker. If we've all watched it, if we've all watched the entire thing by next week we'll give our review of the whole season because it's the season finale if not probably the week after is when we'll do that um but there did you you're caught up right mike yep i'm caught up yeah mark is a little behind still i know that he's one or two right yeah i'm a few behind but we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make that happen yeah because i think uh i don't think i got announced for a season two yet but i really hope it does because they're it's a really good show uh mike what do you got this week 
It's going to be the thing that kept me up until about 2, 2 a.m. last night. It's the reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, aptly known as Bel-Air. I don't think I need to explain the, the plot of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Everyone in America under the age of 45 knows the theme song. That's the first episode of Bel-Air, except it's gritty. It's definitely not a comedy anymore. And there's a whole lot of motherfuckers and N-words thrown around in this show now. That's right. Ooh, Mark, Mark oh, did geez. a... Yeah, I didn't know did that. I, I, I heard it was darker. I didn't know they were cussing. Jeez. It was, yeah, like, a stu- it was like a student film at first, like a couple years old, right? It was like three, four years ago. And then Will Smith saw it, I think is how it happened. Yeah, back in 2019, uh, someone made like a... I don't know if it was a student film or just like one of those like YouTube things where they did a short reimagined trailer of uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Will Smith liked it, um, got in contact with the guy. I read a story today that the guy thought he was about to get sued and instead uh, he got an offer to fly out to Miami to for Will Smith to talk to him. And Will Smith, after a few hours, agreed to, you know, do the show with him. And I've enjoyed the show so far. The main character, the main actor who's playing uh, Will Smith in the show, he's a Philly native. He was in the drama club in his high school, but had had no official screen credits yet. And... As coincidence would have it, he's playing Will Smith, who comes to live with the Bankses. His actual name is Jabari Banks. Well, that nice. works. Keeping it realistic. That makes sense. Malcolm Cooper was the gentleman who made it. They're calling it a fan film on Wikipedia. I remember seeing this a couple of years ago thinking, oh, it's real cool. And then I, got, I knew that Will Smith got involved with it because there's like a, I guess Will Smith's got a YouTube channel now. And he talks about like there's like a video where he talks about how they made this show and stuff, which it's got a two, it got a two, it was a bidding war, but it got a two season order from Peacock, right. which I don't remember what channel Terrence Bel Air was on. I'm wondering NBC. if it was NBC. It was an NBC. It was NBC. Yeah. Wonder if that's a factor in this all because I I have to assume that NBC still own, owns the IP to Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, yeah, but don't they you sell off the stuff for some some level? Wasn't it like who like they sell it to syndication rights and stuff? And it's ah uh, maybe you think you think NBC is going to sell off the rights to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Well, I mean, I don't know, how's there a bidding war then? You know, what I mean, there has to be a, there was a bidding war somehow, right, for this thing. So I guess that's there's good. there's that too. So you that you dug it though? You think it's good? I I, I was up until two thirty in the morning. Okay, nice. there you go. That 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 says it all. Marcus, what do you got, man? Yeah, we're kind of in the middle of a bunch of really good games hitting. Um, I mentioned last week there's a doubleheader that I was really uh, looking forward to, Sifu and Ali Ali World. I think Sifu has really kind of taken the headlines recently because of its difficulty and it's challenging, which I mentioned last week. I was early and I could attest to its difficulty. Um and it, it's a bit of a journey to kind of get over those humps in these difficult games, whether they're, they're like uh, Dark Souls games. Um, sometimes when the game pushes back, I tend to be a person that doesn't like that at all. Um, and I'll just bounce off and play something else. But Sifu was interesting enough and the mechanics were there and easy enough to understand that it, it seems like it's something that with some practice you can overcome. And, you know, I, I've hit some roadblocks. Uh, level two was particularly challenging. 
Um, but I got through that, and now I'm working through level three. Um, there's only five levels to the game, so it's not like a super long long game. So I think the difficulty is kind of inherent to kind of give that game some more legs. I think without it, if it was an easier game, this is something that maybe you could run through in an evening or an afternoon. So having it kind of pushed back and having you replay it to unlock certain abilities and what have you um, gives it some longevity. Uh, on the other side, Ollie Ollie World is the uh, third game in a series that I've been a very big fan of. And starting out, it was a little rocky. I definitely remember there being mechanics that weren't getting introduced right away. It definitely took me a little bit to get into the flow of that game. But once I did, um, that game is just so fun. And I think as someone that I, I enjoyed the Tony Hawk games, but I wasn't particularly great at them. I didn't really seek them out. This scratches that itch because it does kind of steamline a big part of those games, which is basically learning the courses. I mean, and Tony Hawk was basically like, you know, learn the course, figure out where the lines are, figure out how to get like your big multipliers um, and just rinse, repeat to maximum effect. And Ollie Ollie World is, is a 2D game where you're basically just going right. And in this game, you do go, they actually have the ability where you're actually changing directions to left and right. There's multiple paths. Um, but your, your set is basically right in front of you. You don't have a lot of options into exactly what you're doing. So kind of taking that away, the exploration and the freedom of that kind of gives you a very concise game where it's like, you're doing this. You have to make this jump. You have to grind this rail to make that next jump. Um, and then linking those together to get multipliers in your score, I, I think is really fun. Uh, the soundtrack's awesome. Like I mentioned last week, the art style they kind of adopted from like Adventure Time, I think works extremely well in making the game visually pop a lot more and make it seem a lot more interesting. Um, so I've been thoroughly enjoying both those games, especially in the last week. Having both those games click has been really fun and interesting and has really kept you know me going in both of them. And coming up this week, the sequel to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is coming out on Friday. I really enjoyed the first game. Uh, it came out at a horrible time. It came out like a week before uh, Breath of the Wild. As another open world game, Breath of the Wild just kind of sucked up all of the headlines and a lot of the like um, space for conversation. It kind of got sh overshadowed. Um, earlier today on Monday, reviews came out for Forbidden West and it has done extremely well review-wise. Previews came out a few weeks ago, and those were also extremely positive. So I wasn't too surprised when this game reviewed as well as it did. Um, and now that we're getting close to it, I'm getting really excited to actually playing it. Um, they, it, it sounds like it's been kind of a a polishing of everything they did in the first game. Uh, character models, cin cinematography, a lot of the things that I kind of felt stilted in the first game, like when you're talking to NPCs just back and forth. Those conversations were interesting and in what they were talking about they weren't necessarily framed or animated in an interesting way it was a lot of, a lot of just like talking heads that you would see like in like a fallout series or um skyrim uh but there seems to be a lot more animation activity going on and from what i heard in the reviews stories a lot more interesting the side quests are a lot more varied and um rewarding so it, it seems across the board that game's looking to shape up really well so i'm excited to play that and the week's coming the week after that, we have Elden Ring, which is the big new game from From Software, who does all the Dark Souls, Sekiro, Bloodborne games, and it's going to be open world, and there's a lot of talk about that. And the week after that, um, Gran Turismo 7 comes out, so we're kind of in the middle for where I personally, there's a lot of big games coming out that I'm really excited about, so I'm jazzed.
Mike, what's up? Uh, one thing you skipped over on the Elden mm. Ring thing. Mm. It's uh, famous because this little fuckhead J.R.R. Tolkien, not J.R.R. Tolkien, J. Uh, George R. R. Martin. Martin. Well, I mix him up and uh, Lord of the Rings uh, author. Uh, George R. R. Martin is, I think, a big contributor to Elden Ring. Yeah, he like co-wrote it, or he did, had some aspects of the story. Which I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, the From Software games historically, with their narrative, have been very kind of obtuse. Uh, to uh, by design, they. The way that Mizugaki, I think that's his name, who's the director of these games, likes to tell his stories is through the environment and through discovery of like a lot of times the lore is written in a description of some item you pick up. You pick up some item, it describes some king of the third age living in his palace or whatever. And then later in the game, you'll go to that palace and you'll see a skeleton. And it's like, oh, you have to to kind of get the overall arcing narrative of these games, you as the player have to connect a lot of dots to kind of figure out like, okay, what really happened here? Here's all these, all these like weird clues that like these item descriptions are telling me about. How do I fit all the pieces together to kind of understand what's going on? And personally, I bounce off that stuff. I, I have a hard time. Like I get an item and it's like, what does it do gameplay mechanic wise? Like, okay, I, I, take less poison or something or it's a, it's a piece of armor or whatever and I'm, I'm not i'm not really getting the narrative in that way so that in, in that instance for me personally it kind of fails so i'm interested to see with martin if it is going to be a little bit more front and center um sekiro which was their last game the narrative was very straightforward it was told in cinematics and straight to your face and, and i enjoyed that it was very easy for me to grasp what was going on so it's going to be interesting but yeah mike that is a huge hooking point because obviously they got Martin right off the heels of Game of Thrones becoming a huge you know pop culture phenomenon um, and, and to what extent he he contributed to the story kind of remains to be seen but the the Dark Souls games lead into that dark fantasy stuff which is kind of his jam too so I can very much see their kind of styles of storytelling mel melding together, but I don't really know, you know, I mean, I'm going to be interested to see if I understand what the hell's going on or if I give the slightest fuck at all. Cause in most of the dark souls games, I don't, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm a goblin guy going around and killing other people. I'm a, you know, I'm an ember or whatever word they want to call for your hollow state, but it'll be interesting to see just how much that stuff actually clamps on and I get invested in it at all, or if it's just going to be purely about the gameplay and exploration, which is kind of what I usually tend to gravitate in those games. But yeah, that's good. That's it for me. I'll talk about more of it when it comes up too. Right on. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Be back next week to see if I'm dumb enough to pick Benil Dariush over Islam Makachev just because Benil's one of my people. Leaning strongly towards no right now, but uh, we'll see. A lot can happen in a week. A lot can happen in a week. Um, until then, Ollie, Ollie, say the game name of the game again. Oh, Ollie, Ollie World, Sifu, yeah. Horizon, Forbidden West. It's well, right actually, now. If you yeah, there's a lot going right now. Games. There's a lot of games. Check out Bel Air on Peacock if you got Peacock. Why do you? If you have Peacock like me because of the Royal Rumble, it means you still got Peacock for another week or two. So, right on. Go for it. Um, if you like Brock Lesnar, check that out. And at this point, if you're not watching AEW, that's okay. It's not for you. It's fine. But, yeah, I mean, hell, we've been talking about it for two years, Mike. What am I going to do? 
<laughs> I like it. Yeah, those are lost like, causes at this if point. You don't like, yeah, but what? If you don't like it, it's not for you. You enjoy yourselves, man. Um, I just read that it's going to be Stone Cold versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. That sounds pretty cool. Maybe watch that. Um, all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. We see you all next week. Stay safe out there. Peace out. See you. Bye.